Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks again for joining us, making us part of your day. Here's what we'll be talking about. We're going to be uh, talking trade with the Executive Director of Farmers for Free Trade. Brian Keel will join us a little bit later on. Their big campaign is underway now to uh, let the administration know how these tariffs and trade issues are negatively impacting agriculture. We'll talk about that. Arlen Suderman with INTLFC Stone will join us a little bit later. We will talk markets and look ahead to uh, the uh, big crop report coming out. And also today we're going to talk water issues. Don Parrish, Senior Director of Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation will join us. We'll get an update on WOTUS and some other issues. But that's a good place to start talking water with Todd Neely with DTN. Todd, thanks for joining us. Hey, good to be here. We have some water issues in the news. The Army Corps of Engineers is going to hand over Clean Water Act permitting authority uh, to uh, states and tribes Tell us a little bit more about this story and the reaction that you're hearing. I would think a lot of folks uh, in different states, different parts of the country, are happy to hear about this, uh, to have it more of a, a localized, uh, closer to uh, you know, to them where they're at uh, on the authority and the regula- regulatory uh, statutes on these. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. You know, um, for a number of years we've tracked um, a variety of stories uh, where we've seen farmers and ranchers time and again, <clears throat> excuse me, have um, have come across some really tough situations when it comes to work that they do on their on their land. Um, you know, we're talking about some serious fines if you're in violation of the Clean Water Act simply by uh, potentially moving dirt into a stream. Um, and I think you know what Corps of Engineers uh, had talked about. They put out a memo this week, um, basically saying that hey, we're ready to hand over at least that aspect of the permitting process to states. And I think what, um, you know, what this really means, you know, you're putting the permit, you know, where, where producers have to go to get permits, you're putting, um, you know, the experts uh, who, will, who will work with a lot of these farmers on, you know, to make sure they're in compliance. You're putting all those at the state level um, before, you know, it's always been kind of a top-down from the federal government uh, you know, Corps of Engineers, EPA, um, you know, really bringing down the hammer on, on a lot of these producers who, uh, you know, in a lot of circumstances, um, you know, they're not quite clear about, you know, what constitutes a, a need for a permit and where they get it, um, you know, how much it costs, all those things. And so, um, you know, the reaction has been, you know, we saw Farm Bureau uh, put out a statement the other day saying that this is a great first step that, you uh, you know, we're handing something closer to the American people. And, and uh, you know, when you when you do that, um, you know, there's a thought that perhaps um, a lot of these conflicts that we've seen with producers and, and uh, Clean Water Act issues uh, probably can be resolved much quicker and maybe a lot less, uh, a lot less uh, expense. And in many cases, Todd, a farmer, a landowner has thought they've done everything right. They've worked with their state and local uh, authorities to get yeah. everything taken care of, only to have then the feds come down and say, no, that's not right, and as you said, a heavy-handed approach with big fines and things like that. Yeah, you know, on the other side of this, too, um, a lot of times when EPA has come down on a, on a farmer, uh, those producers, they either have to hire a really good consultant who knows the Clean Water Act inside and out and, uh, 
knows how the whole process works, or they're on their own. Um, you know, we saw a case out in Wyoming involving a, a rancher. His name was Andrew Johnson. Uh, he had simply put in a stock pond, which is basically exempt from the Clean Water Act, um, and the feds came back and said he couldn't do it, and uh, he ended up having to get a consultant and taking this thing to court, and, I mean, it went quite a ways up the chain in, in the court system just to get it resolved when, uh, you know, the state of Wyoming had told him he's everything's fine, he's set up to go, and he, he went through the whole process. And so I think that's where the rubber meets the road. Uh, you know, a state like Wyoming that has a system in place, um, you know, where they, they had told you know, this particular rancher that everything was good and he followed all the steps, I think that's really a good place to have this. Well, hopefully this is a big step towards getting that resolved. Now, while they're rewriting and redoing Waters of the U.S., can this still go on while that process is taking place? Yeah, absolutely. You know, part of the memo from the Corps of Engineers had said that very thing that, um, you know, in fact, we've got two states, Michigan and New Jersey, that have already decided to take over this permitting process. Um, and we've heard stories that there could be a number of others, you know, 50, at least 14 or 15 other states that are highly interested. Um, and so basically the water, the water rule that's uh, being rewritten really doesn't, uh, really doesn't affect this. Really what the Corps of Engineers has maintained, um, according to this memo, is that uh, they're going to, you know, still be in charge of, of the waterways where we see foreign and, and, you know, international commerce, you know, kind of the, the shorelines and, and maybe adjacent, water, you know, wetlands. Um, but the stuff that we hear a lot about from farmers and ranchers, you know, streams and, and those sorts of things, uh, this will give the state that opportunity to, uh, to work with those producers and, and uh, you know, work through the permitting process. All right, we're talking with Todd Neely with DTN. Todd, another story I wanted to ask you about. Uh, we have a couple of states, Kansas and Colorado, have been in a river dispute. Did we have a settlement on this? Yeah, uh, you know, it's interesting because this uh, this has a lot to this uh, deals with the Republican River Compact. Uh, this dates all the way back to 1943, where Colorado, Nebraska, and Kansas had had entered into uh, you know an agreement on how to divide water supplies, and we've seen a number of cases, a number of court cases over the years, uh, you know, involving disputes among these states. And we had another uh, another settlement here in the past week or two. Um, Colorado agreed to pay Kansas up to four million dollars in the dispute, and a lot of a lot of the you know neither state has you know said you know agreed that they have uh, actually violated the compact, but. This is what we often see. We, when in the history of this thing, uh, you know, a state does something, whether it over it overdraws on its part of the compact uh, or whatever the case may be, and then you have a number of lawsuits that pop up between farmers and, and the states. And uh, but this latest agreement, um, basically, uh, it's between Colorado and Kansas for four million, and then part of the deal is that they're uh, they're going to maintain uh, the, the Republican River Basin. In those areas a little bit better um you know also earlier this year we saw a similar settlement colorado settled with nebraska for a similar amount um yeah it, it's hard to say whether this will be the last uh, the last disagreement we have but uh you know it's good to see those people out there working together as you said these have been long-standing disputes and it uh, does seem to be uh, a positive to get these uh, finally uh, worked out so overall some yeah. fairly positive news on some water issues uh, todd thanks for bringing us up to date we thank you hey anytime take care todd neely reporter for 
DTN. Yeah, water in the news, uh, as it has been. I guess it always is, because in some places too much water, a lot of places not enough water. But uh, some of these regulatory issues are certainly uh, have been a, a huge issue for some time. Rewriting waters of the U.S., and as we said, now working out some of these uh, issues like granting states uh, more uh, authority on some of these uh, Clean Water Act issues. We're going to talk about that with Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation coming up next. Get his thoughts on this uh, decision by the Army Corps of Engineers to allow states to take over the Clean Water Act Section 404 dredge and fill permitting program. And what is the latest on waters of the U.S.? Where does that stand? We'll get an update on that coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of the trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. Tariffshurt.com. 
Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. All right, so we're talking water issues. We just heard from Todd Neely with DTN and a couple of big stories. I want to follow up now with Don Parrish, Senior Director, Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Don, thanks for joining us. We were just talking about how the Army Corps of Engineers is going to allow states to take over the Clean Water Act Section 404 dredge and fill permitting program. This seems to be a positive step. I think it is, Mike. Um, clearly, there's been a lot of roadblocks put into place for states to do this for the 404 program. We found that it has worked exceedingly well under the 402 NPDES program, so we think this is a positive step in the right direction. Because we've talked about these situations before where a landowner does everything they think they should be doing and they think they've, uh, you know, uh, crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's, only to have the feds come in and say no, even though they went through all the local and state channels. That is exactly correct. Uh, the problem that we have is, is really not only a lack of communication, but a lack of recognition of the exemptions and the lack of recognition that what farmers are doing on their land, whether it be, you know, for conservation practices or whether it's normal farming practices, you know, they're dealing with people that don't deal with agriculture every day, and that's a problem. So this seems to be a step in the right direction. This is going to take place even while they're redoing waters of the U.S. Where are we with WOTUS? Well, we are very near the end of a comment period Uh, that we hope will be the final straw that allows this administration to withdraw the 2015 WOTUS rule. And once they kind of get their hands clean from doing that, I think we're going to see a proposed rule because they have something in interagency review right now. Are we optimistic? Are you optimistic uh, based on what we've seen so far and some of the things that have happened that this next WOTUS rule uh, will be something agriculture can support and be behind? Uh, Mike, I've got my fingers crossed, but there are a lot of really good people, a lot of really smart people that are working on this rule. Uh, one thing I want farmers and ranchers to know across the country is that, that we all value and support clean water, uh, but we want clear rules. We want clear rules that, that, that farmers can comply with. And one of the things our president, uh, Mr. Duvall, says is he wants to be able to kind of recognize when he goes out on his property, when he needs to call the federal government, and when he doesn't. And, and that's been a problem for a very long time, and I think that's the goal, is, is ease of administration and ease of understanding and clear rules. So we're looking forward to working on that. We've talked all along, really since the election, that this would be a process and take a while. How much longer could this process last? Well, we're hoping to, to, to get this rule, this 2015 rule, you know, ultimately put in the grave very soon, maybe within the next couple of months. And as soon as they do that, they're going to turn their attention, I think, full force to getting a new rule in place. So we're hoping 
by the end of the year, we're going to be well into a discussion on what the next rule needs to look like and hopefully one that, that agriculture and, you know, pretty much anybody that has to move soil, build a pipeline, a power line, or infrastructure uh, can be supportive of. But that that new rule, will that go through, how, what kind of a process did, will it have to go through then? Well, Mike, it, it is an administrative process. It is governed by the Administrative Procedures Act, and they will, right now, they are doing kind of the intergovernmental review of the principles and what may or may not be proposed. Once they do that, and once they finalize the repeal, they will propose a new rule. That new rule will give the public an opportunity to comment. Uh, I got an idea based on everything I've heard from the agency is they're going to do a lot of outreach meetings. They're going to help people understand what's in it. They're going to un- help people understand how it protects clean water, but how it also uh, provides for clarity and ease of administration and how it also works with this this first issue that you're talking about, how states can work hand-in-glove with the federal government to protect not only federal waters but state waters in a way that's seamless, in a way that can assure the public that we're protecting drinking water and everything else out there. Well, no matter what they come out with, I, I you, we can predict pretty safely right now that it'll have its share of critics. Some people aren't going to like it, but uh, hopefully it is a step in the right direction from where we were with the old rule. I completely agree. Uh, Mike, one of the things that I'll point out about the old rule is there has yet to be a federal judge rule on that old rule that didn't call it illegal. It was an overreach, and every one of them specifically called it out that it was a significant federal overreach. So regardless of what people say, you know, the agencies have to comply with the laws that Congress wrote. And so far the judiciary has backed that up 100%, and we're very gratified by that. And, and hopefully we can put this thing in the grave and move on and move on in a way that, that provides farmers and ranchers the clarity that they demand. Talking with Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Don, we talked about how this looks like a positive step. The Corps going to give more authority back to the states on uh, clean water issues. Um, we were talking yesterday with the president of the National Association of Conservation Districts. They're pretty happy with the approach going to be used in the uh, Chesapeake Bay watershed that it that also allows for the uh, that local partnership, uh, that locally driven uh, uh, approach towards the uh, issues uh, there around the Chesapeake Bay uh, watershed. These seem to be positive steps as we build towards this new Waters of the U.S. rule. Uh, absolutely, Mike. Uh, I'm very, very proud of the work that farmers and ranchers are doing, not only in the Chesapeake Bay watershed, but, you know, in the Mississippi River watershed and in, in uh, you know, the Ohio River watershed and the Lake Erie watershed. They're stepping up. You know, we are, have some really big intractable problems out there that farmers are, are putting their shoulder to the grindstone. They're adopting things like precision ag and, and nutrient management and 4R, and, and they're doing the right thing. They're doing it because it not only is good for the environment, it's good for their bottom line. And, and you know, we're well on track for not only doing it, but being recognized that we're doing some of these things. It seemed under the previous administration that the attitude on these issues from the, uh, from the Fed level was basically, we don't trust you on the local level to get it done. We're going to force you. We're going to make you do it. We're going to have a hammer over your head type approach. That seems to be different now. 
Uh, it is different now, and you know I think the expectations are still high that we want farmers to do the right thing. We want them to document what they're doing. You know, working with conservation districts, working with their local associations, but but clearly, you know, the whole issue that there's only one way, one size fits all approach, I think is out the window with this administration. I got to give USDA. Uh, Department of Interior and EPA a lot of credit for trying to link arms and work together with with solutions that farmers can work with. And so far, that's been a very, very positive approach. Well, there's also the legal uh, angle to all this, uh, a lot of this in the courts. Where do we stand with some of those cases? Well, uh, let me call out North Dakota to begin with. And the federal government filed a brief in that case. It's It's well on its way. Uh, here about a month ago that did not defend the 2015 rule. And they pretty much told the judge up there just to kind of hold his horses back a little bit that this administration is going to rescind this 2015 rule and propose a new rule. And I think that was a positive step in the right direction. Uh, I think, you know, the North Dakota case is probably the furthest along, but the Georgia case has added some some, uh, preliminary injunction on the 2015 rule being implemented. I think there's a lot of judges and a lot of courts around the country looking at that to see whether or not, you know, how long it takes them to do this and whether or not there needs to be more injunctions put on the 2015 rule. But I think we're moving in the right direction. I think the courts are looking to try to to be accommodated for this administration, and, and for sure they want to keep something that would be harmful, harmful in terms of our the rule of law, the way the law should be implemented from going into effect, and, and that's good news. And, um, and I'm very gratified by the way this thing is shaping up. Well, it takes time. It takes a long time. Um, we've been dealing with this issue for years, but it sounds like progress is being made. It is, Mike, and it's more than just people here in Washington. i got to give states, states' attorney generals, uh, state governors a lot of credit, state departments of agriculture, you know, they've stepped up here. Uh, these guys have been on the front line, not only working with industry and farmers and ranchers, but they've also worked with, with EPA and the federal government now that this administration is in place to try to do things the way they should be done, in partnerships and in ways that, that is not a one-size-fits-all. And, you know, my hat's off for those state, those state officials. Uh, you know, they've done a heck of a job so far. And uh, we appreciate working with them very closely, and and there's a lot of good people out there doing good things. Well, it seems like we're headed in the right direction finally and getting some momentum. Let's hope it carries through. Don, thanks for the update. Absolutely, Mike. Thank you. Don Parrish, Senior Director, Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Well, trade, we got, uh, boy, the situation with China seems to be getting worse rather than better. We'll talk about that and more trade issues with Brian Keel, Executive Director for Farmers for Free Trade. That's next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas' unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. 
Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. In the grain and oil seed sector, we are backpedaling on this Thursday session. We'll see new USDA numbers on Friday. Analysts think the Ag Department will forecast a bumper soybean crop this year. Meanwhile, Brazilian Ag Agency, CONAB, cutting its forecast for the corn harvest in the 2017-18 season due to less than normal rain in some areas. Raising the estimate for the soybean harvest slightly could be a record 119 million metric tons of soybeans in Brazil. On the charts, new crop November soybean bulls are eyeing a retest of key resistance at 9.22 and a quarter. That'd be the high from July 31st, an hour into the trading day on this Thursday, hovering around 9.05 on that new crop November. In corn, we're trending two to three cents lower. Corn production, according to the average trade guess, due to shrink this year. USDA expected to forecast corn production at 14.4 billion bushels, according to the average trade guess in that monthly report on Friday. That'd be down from 14.6 billion last year. December corn holding just below resistance at 388.5 to 389 and three quarters. In the wheats, we are five to six and a fraction lower in Minneapolis, three to five lower in Chicago, Kansas City, six and a fraction lower, pretty much wiping out a rally that we saw on Wednesday. For livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures, we are 20 to 45 cents lower. Feeder cattle have been trending in a mix. We're awaiting cash cattle activity in the Southern Plains. Bids have been at 110, asking 115. Lean hog futures, October up a dollar five at forty nine forty five. On Wall Street, the Dow is up ten points. September crude in New York up twenty cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree. Remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be. No matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. 
Welcome back. Well, as you've probably heard, the uh, Farmers for Free Trade campaign on uh, the tariff situation and trade is underway. Tariffs hurt the Heartland campaign. Uh, the, the message is going out to try to get that message through to the uh, the administration. What's happening to agriculture, how it's being negatively impacted by these tariffs and retaliation. Let's talk about it with Brian Keel, Executive Director of Farmers for Free Trade. Brian, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is a, a big effort you have underway to get this message across to the administration. It is, and thanks for having me on, Mike. This is a great program. Um, yeah, we're, we're working very hard with uh, farm organizations all across the United States to make sure folks in the administration understand the impact that this trade war is having on farmers. Uh, so partnering with, with state farm bureaus, with uh, with soybean organizations. We had American Soybean Association join us last week. Uh, Texas Farm Bureau joined last week, joined our effort. Um, so it's it's really uh, all hands on deck efforts to communicate to the administration that, that this trade war is hurting farmers, both in terms of uh, what's happening with our commodities and also what's happening with our input costs. Brian, I have found it very troubling uh, when I hear and read some of the comments made from high-ranking administration officials that seem to just kind of take the approach either to dismiss the impact on agriculture or just pretty much say, well, they just need to, uh, you know, to take it because it's for the overall good. Uh, it just seems it's almost a dismissive attitude towards the concerns of agriculture. Yeah, I, that, that's part of our concern as well. I mean, we're, we're running an ad right now where we have Peter Navarro, one of uh, President Trump's key trade advisors, um, talking about how the impacts from this trade war are really a rounding error. And our message back is, look, farmers and their families are not a rounding error. This, these, are, these are real impacts on real people. You know, you got to understand that a number of the key people within the administration, including Peter Navarro, um, come from a background of working for the steel industry. So it's maybe not surprising that when they got in a position of power, they started saying, you know, we've got to do everything to rebuild American steel. There's nothing wrong with rebuilding American steel as long as you don't do it at the cost of U.S. agriculture. I said this right at the beginning. Uh, I mean, we've we've got enough history to look at. We see what happens when you get into these situations, like with the U.S. and China right now. It They tend to escalate because neither side wants to look like they're backing down. And we have more of that going on now as China's uh, responding to more tariffs uh, by the administration. They're responding with their retaliation. And it just seems to grow. And the list of products affected uh, continues to grow. And this started off in many ways with steel and aluminum. And now we're seeing some factories and businesses shut down because of it. I mean, it has spread. The impact has spread beyond agriculture. Absolutely. So we're, we're releasing in the next couple of days a, a map of the United States showing the impacts that are happening all across the U.S. And those are impacts happening in agriculture and in agricultural-related businesses. I mean, we've got grain bin manufacturers who are having to raise prices or, or getting squeezed. You know, we've got farmers who are getting squeezed. But it's also happening throughout manufacturing. I mean, got America's only keg manufacturer in Massachusetts that's going to be going out of business because of these tariffs and they're laying off people. Uh, you've got you've got businesses all over the U.S. that are having to, to shut down uh, work or that are moving operations overseas. Um, so it, it's pretty broad spectrum in terms of the number of people in the heartland that are being hit. Yeah, you get to that point where it's like, who's going to blink first? But in the meantime, a lot of people uh, are are getting hurt. We're talking with Brian Keel, Executive Director of Farmers for Free Trade. Now, Brian, 
Uh, it seems like there have been some positive steps uh, taken towards getting a deal done with Mexico, kind of going that approach, uh, deal with them, and then and see what happens with Canada when it comes to NAFTA. Uh, certainly, uh, any kind of a, a deal would seem to be a, a, a positive step at this point, some positive news that we need. Right, and, and we're certainly encouraging the administration to get a deal on NAFTA and, uh, and take that off the table. You know, Canada and Mexico are two of our largest trading partners. The, the value of, of NAFTA to U.S. agriculture is just immense. I mean, the amount of the amount of uh, you know pork and corn and other products that we sell to Canada and Mexico can't can't be overstated. So we think it's very important get the NAFTA renegotiations done, lock in NAFTA, and then focus on these other issues and try to get them off the table as quickly as possible as well. When we look at these negotiations. Um... We talked about these administration officials and their attitude towards agriculture. We know Sonny Perdue speaking out on behalf of agriculture. Do you think Ag's voice is getting heard in these negotiations? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, farmers farmers should not underestimate their power in the United States. I mean, when, when we engage, people listen to us. And, and that's what Farmers for Free Trade is all about, is making sure that the agricultural voice is being heard. And we know, you know, firsthand that American Farm Bureau, national pork producers, national corn growers, they're all engaging directly with the administration, encouraging the administration to get these deals wrapped up uh, because they know the impact on agriculture. So I think our voice is being heard, but I I think there's a lot more that we need to do to make sure that that we're not taken for granted. I think there's a feeling, and and I think the message is kind of from the administration, is when we get these deals worked out, they're going to be so much better that uh, all this pain you're going through now, you'll forget about it and we'll move on to bigger and better things. Um, that's one way of looking at it, but it, you can't just overlook the pain being felt now and some people that may not be able to wait till they get to that better deal that's hopefully coming. Right, and I, and I think there's a couple things for people to focus on there. I mean, one is, okay, what's the better deal going to look like? I mean, one of the things that's been disturbing to us is, the U.S. position is really unclear. I mean, we're saying, we're screaming generally that we have bad deals and we're being taken advantage of, but it's not clear what a better deal looks like. Certainly it's not better, it's not clear what a better deal looks like for U.S. agriculture. I mean, U.S. agriculture has done remarkably well by the trade agreements that we have. You know, our first rule is do no harm. Uh, If we can make the deals better, that's great. But we're selling a lot of soybeans into China right now. Um, I don't know how many more we could sell. If we can, that's great. Uh, certainly there's room for improvement on things like phytosanitary standards, labeling requirements. But a lot of those are best handled under a free trade agreement, not by throwing tariffs at each other. The aid package announced by the administration, and we still wait for details of how that will all break down and see what actually how it, you know, how much gets into the hands of farmers – but obviously that's a even though it can help that's not going to solve the issue long term and that's just a short term uh help not a long term solution yeah i mean i i think farmers need to remember you know the the russia grain embargo that carter implemented in the 19 late 1970s early 1980s you know that conflict when when russia invaded afghanistan we put a grain embargo on russia huge impact to U.S. grain. I mean, both grain farmers, uh, grain elevators in the, in the upper Midwest, 
And, and that impact didn't go away when Reagan reversed the grain embargo. I mean, we had lost that market. Uh, you, you lose a market, it, it can take a decade to recover. And, and that's what we're concerned about. You know, this aid package will be a one-time check, and farmers may feel the impacts of, of this trade war, you know, for the, for the next generation. So the U.S.-China situation continues to heat up. Meanwhile, the Japanese economic revitalization minister is in Washington today for talks with the administration. Uh, They're talking, so at least there's some hope. That would be huge to get a a deal done with Japan. It would be huge. I mean, if we could get a deal with Japan, that would be phenomenal. So far, Japan has said, look, there's a deal on the table, and it's called the Trans-Pacific Partnership. You know, Japan's one of the 11 countries that signed the TPP. Um, that would have that that deal uh, harmonized trade standards across 11 countries, including Canada, the U.S., Mexico, Australia, Vietnam, Japan, and it would have critically opened the Japanese market to U.S. a lot of U.S. agricultural products. So, I I think whether we get a bilateral agreement with Japan or re-engage with the Trans-Pacific Partnership. You know, President Trump, with all due respect, he was wrong to pull us out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership on his third day in office. We ought to reverse that decision and we ought to re-engage. Because right now, Australia is laughing all the way to the bank. They're selling beef into Japan um, while we see our markets shut down. And we have to be, I find myself leery of any news when you hear two sides talking. Well, that's good that they're talking, but everyone got excited not that long ago that U.S. and China had worked things out, and China was going to be buying so much more, and then now we see where we're at there. Then there was the talk, wow, the EU is going to be buying more soybeans, and, and now the, you know, when you start digging deeper into this, it doesn't look quite as good as the, the original announcement. So you have to be careful. We need actions more than words on these things. We do need actions more than words, and, and we can't forget the important role that Congress plays. Uh, you know, we have a balance of power in the United States, and the way trade is supposed to work is that the president and Congress share that authority. Um, so the president can't unilaterally cut a deal with the Europe, with Europe, or he can't unilaterally cut a deal with Japan. He has to get a trade agreement that then gets ratified by the Senate, and and so Congress really needs to step up and exercise its constitutional authority uh, reinsert itself in trade uh, because this isn't just a presidential power there's a role for congress and, and congress is a lot closer to the people i mean the, you know the house of representatives each of us has a representative in the u.s house those representatives and our senators need to be speaking out in support of trade got to get the message out brian thank you so much for the work that the you and the farmers for free trade coalitions doing to get that message out thank you Hey, Mike, thank you so much, and and look forward to talking with you again. All right, take care. Brian Keel, Executive Director of Farmers for Free Trade. Again, uh, they have a big campaign underway now to get the message out to the administration about uh, the negative impact uh, these tariffs uh, have on uh, U.S. agriculture and urging them to get things worked out. We will see again the talks going on in Washington this week with Japan. We'll see if anything comes out of that. Well, we've heard some good news on dairy exports, though, and red meat exports. What about grain sales? We're going to talk with Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone about that and look ahead to the uh, August crop report. That's coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Do you need a car? 
been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is mobile help. America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home. But with mobile help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile help did save my life. No question about that. Call mobile help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. 
did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk markets with Arlen Suderman, Chief uh, Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Arlen, thanks for joining us. I, I mentioned this earlier. This week we've heard that uh, dairy exports have been strong uh, first half of the year. Red meat exports have been strong. Now we know this could change the second half of the year if the trade and tariff situations continue. But at least we've had some positive news the first half of the year. What about grains? They've been strong as well. And you look at corn, we've been the best priced corn in the world. Argentine corn supplies are starting to become competitive with us, so it depends on on freight advantages, different locations uh, as we look out the next 90 days. But uh, we've still had a strong base there. We're still priced well below Brazilian supplies and Ukrainian supplies. Soybeans are still the cheapest by far uh, supply in the world. And uh, exports this summer have been running week to week, two to three times their normal pace for this time of year. I think the real test for soybeans, of course, comes this fall as we harvest the crop and uh, need to run into our peak export season. So price is the the number one thing right now, uh, but also timing, right? I mean, just as you said, certain times of the year, they're buying and selling times. uh, Those patterns are still holding? Uh, They really are. Now, normally most of the world would be getting their soybeans from South America this time of year, and, of course, with uh, the huge premium of roughly a buck seventy per bushel that Brazil's charging uh, right now has China pretty much exclusively doing business with Brazil and the rest of the world here. On the wheat side, our exports have been very weak and very slow, but when you look at production problems in the other major exporting countries, uh, with the possible exception of Argentina, it looks like the second half of our export year, uh, which would be basically that uh, December to May time period, should see a, a stronger export campaign for wheat. All right, so what are you expecting out of the crop report? Well, the big things I'm looking for is, uh, of course, the yields for U.S. corn and soybean crop. I think the trade is comfortable with a 176 to 178 yield on corn. In fact, if we're much below 176, then then we start running into some tight supplies. And outside of China and the United States, the rest of the world's pretty much on a just-in-time supply. So there's not a lot of margin for error there to the downside. Uh, on the soybean side, I think that's where the big question marks are. 
uh, where that yield could be anywhere from 48.5 to 51.5. Yields are tough to determine, as you know, this time of year in soybeans. You really don't know until the combine gets out. But where USDA starts uh, the ball rolling is going to be key. Beyond that, then, we look at the other major exporting countries and what USDA does for reducing wheat production estimates and corn production estimates, and also see how they adjust those export targets for U.S. soybeans and corn with the strong export campaign that we've had this summer. So we'll see what happens in that crop report tomorrow. Um, so the tensions that continue to build with China um, if this is not resolved by this fall, uh, Arlen, what do you see the impact being on the markets then as we get into our harvest? Well, I don't expect it to be resolved before the midterm elections. If it is resolved before the midterm elections, then that would indicate that China's economic problems are, while they're they're significant, that they're even much more significant than what we think, and that President Xi is worried about hanging on to power. So I expect him to try to hold the line against President Trump, hoping that uh, President Trump loses Congress in the midterm elections. Uh, and so then I expect a decision probably November, December. Uh, if the Democrats take Congress, then I expect a, a, a trade deal that's probably favorable for commodities. Uh, if he uh, hangs on the Republican hold in Congress, then I expect something that's good for commodities but also has the intellectual property rights uh, part of it that he wants. So those midterms, I think, are pivotal. As far as the market response, if we don't have anything by then, I think the markets are generally anticipating something along that line. I think that's priced in. I think we priced in a worst-case scenario during the month of June and the first part of July, uh, and now it comes down to, okay, what's the size of these crops? What's, what's going to be the size of the surplus if we don't get an agreement beyond that point? Uh, and uh, I, I don't see much more fresh here until or unless um, China decides to escalate it to much deeper levels, and I, I just don't think they can afford to do so. And what if we say had a deal, we get a deal done with Mexico, and maybe things are looking more positive, say, with Japan. Would that kind of you know, be the offset, at least going into the elections, even while we're still working with China to get something done? Oh, it does give momentum, and uh, the more de- trade deals that we're able to get, I think, puts more pressure on China, but also reassures uh, the fund managers on Wall Street uh, that we're working toward removing tariffs. Uh, that, that's the big thing, I think. The fund managers and the money that goes into these grain and oilseed markets need to see some reassurance that there is a, a method to the madness, so to speak, and that... Uh, President Trump's methodology is going to work, and if you start getting some of these trade deals, it starts to reassure them, and there's less panic then among the fund managers that have such a big impact on the futures market. I think the strategy we we kind of watch is uh, the the hope or belief that something will get announced, some something positive going into those elections uh, that the administration will want that. So we'll see what happens there. Hey, what about the story in Brazil? A judge down there ruling against the use of glyphosate. What's the latest on that? Yeah, talking to our team in Brazil, they're not too concerned about it. Uh, certainly, if it if the decision holds, it would have a huge impact on Brazilian soybean production. Um, but as we talk to our people in Brazil, they say, quote-unquote, nobody. 
really expects this decision to hold. They expect it to be overturned. The agricultural economy is too important to Brazil right now in trying to reach some type of economic stability in that country. So they expect it to be overturned, and uh, they're moving forward as if it will be. Um, but it's certainly something that has enough significance that uh, we continue to watch it. Real quick, Arlen, what's the biggest thing you're looking for tomorrow in the report? Uh, soybean yield is the biggest thing I'm looking for because if it comes in closer to 48 or 49, then I think that's a big sigh of relief by the market. If it's above 50, then the uh, soybean market's still going to be concerned. All right, we'll be watching tomorrow. Thanks a lot, Arlen. Good to talk with you. Thank you, Mike. Arlen Suderman, Chief uh, Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. So lots of things happening here as we get closer to those November elections. And will that spur some action on some of these things? We'll have updates for you on all these stories and more coming up tomorrow here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, Immigration Reform, Reducing Regulations, Trade, New Technology, as well as Infrastructure and Health Care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of the trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota. Soda, a 10 year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. That's right, get 50% off the four pack of two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. To order, go to mypillow.com or call 800 871 7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get 50% off the four pack of two premium pillows and two go anywhere pillows. Call 800 871 7280 or go to mypillow.com and use promo code FARM11.